It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. My name's Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. You also can follow our website at northstarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everybody. We got a good one for you today. We'll be going over the 2020 Minnesota Vikings offseason. And then at the end of the show, we'll be uh, very quickly going over some of the uh, fight cards that were announced uh, for Fight Island, which is uh, not really an island, but uh, it's neither here nor there. Uh, But we got a good one for you today. A little housekeeping off the top. Again, you can uh, you can tune in to North Star Sports on Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast. And as of today, this is our debut episode on PodMN at the uh, the PodMN app, you know, because they like to put on excellent. They put on excellent Minnesota uh, podcasts and, you know, very fitting that they'd have us on their app. So, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. Also, it's uh, about 9.40 in uh, North Star HQ right now in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Although uh, not technically in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but maybe that's breaking the fourth wall a little bit. But um, we are just two and a half hours away from North Star Sports' second anniversary, its birthday. North Star Sports will turn two years old. Uh, come come that strike of the clock here in, in just a couple of hours. So uh, a big banner day for the uh, the media empire, the media conglomerate, uh, obviously the number one sports podcast, uh, not only in our hearts, but uh, also on, on iTunes and just wherever. Check the charts. We're number one. Um, even in China. I, I don't know. I don't know how they listen to us, but uh, we had uh, eight people. We had eight people from, from China. Uh, visit NorthStarSports.media. So, uh, I'd like to welcome our, uh, our, I'd like to welcome our Chinese listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, kind of odd that you guys are fascinated with. Uh, uh, well, it's not odd you're fascinated with MMA. MMA. That's that's pretty reasonable. But uh, why you care about Minnesota sports is interesting. But you know, welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome, welcome China. I should check the uh, the demographics and see where other people are from. Uh, maybe a couple of Canadian listeners, but uh, you know, shout out, shout out to China. We will not mention the Tiananmen Square, so don't worry. You guys are, you guys are not going to get banned from uh, from the internet. Um, but I digress. Um, where was I going with this? Yeah, second birthday here for North Star Sports. Uh, obviously, a big day, and uh, June nineteenth, man, Juneteenth. Uh, probably the second most important thing to to happen on uh, June nineteenth is uh, the birthday of North Star Sports. So uh, obviously not the primary reason to celebrate June 19th, but um, we'll also have Drew Peterson on the show tomorrow. So uh, we did not plan that, but on our uh, on our second birthday, we'll have uh, the 2020 Hall of Famer, Andrew Bradley Peterson uh, on the show. So that'll be fun. Uh, and I think that's all the housekeeping that we've got for today, so we can get right into the show. Probably going to be a little uh, longer one here, as uh, I surely have some thoughts here on the on the Vikings and what they've done this offseason. And 
who knows where where to begin with this? Uh, I, I guess we'll kind of go with uh, free agency and kind of work our way into the draft and uh, kind of extrapolate um, how I see these moves playing out. And I suppose we'll go position by position, but I, I guess it would help if I kind of just took it from a 30,000-foot view here and, and just kind of preface this entire conversation with I don't really think the Vikings got much better. In fact, I think they actually got... Uh, significantly worse from the 2019 season to 2020 uh, with with the uh, with not even a single game having being being played yet and who knows if we're gonna get to play games here knock on knock on wood um, but honestly it's really hard to get excited about this team because uh, you know we've kind of it seems like we've kind of seen the peak with this team over the last couple of years uh, very unfortunate that we're stuck with a uh, above average, slightly above average quarterback. Uh, you look at what this team did with, I mean, good quarterback play, but nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, you know, we can make it to the NFC Championship game, but I, I really think this is a beginning of the uh, decline here for the Vikings. Um, there was that report from Ian Rappaport about maybe two or three weeks ago that the uh, NFL salary cap could be down by as much as 40 million if I remember correctly um, so that does not bode well for a team that has a lot of money on the books this is a team that has a lot of contracts on the books uh, a lot of long-term contracts and uh, some other people that still need contracts that we should absolutely not give contracts to I'll direct you back to our Dalvin Cook episode uh, and the, uh, the glorious uh, running back rule I have about running backs uh, but man, it's just tough looking at every single position. We'll go position by position here, but just every single position, man, it's just ah. Some of them we lost a lot. Some of them it might be marginal, but it's really hard to get excited uh, for this team. Um, so free agency hits here for the Vikings, and I understand we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I I guess we can start with the Stefan Diggs trade. Uh, we'll start with the A topic here in the off season, and. I thought that was a pretty fair trade, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I liked it, especially for a cap-strapped team. Now, it's going to be more advantageous for the Vikings, especially with, well, not that they planned for this, but, you know, with the coronavirus coming on and, you know, potentially a $40 million, um, <clears throat> excuse me, decrease in the cap, not having Stefan Diggs 13 or $14 million on the books is going to help. Having a rookie contract like uh, uh, Jordan Jefferson is going to help a lot. I like Jefferson. They project him to play in the slot. Um, not a not a highly recruited guy uh, coming out of high school. Pretty much, I don't want to say this is the only reason because I'm not going to be so uh, obtuse to think this. But you know, his brother Jordan Jefferson was a quarterback for the Tigers back in 2011 or 2012, and he probably only got offered to play for the Tigers. I think it was like a two or three star player. Um, but obviously, he turned out great, had a lot of production. Um, it'll be tough to tell how much of that is playing next to Jamar Chase, how much of that is playing with Joe Burrow. Um, but I did like the pick, and, uh, you know, thank God we didn't take Jalen Rieger or, excuse me, anything like that. Um, and I mean, I thought it was fair. I thought it was fair. You look at, like, certainly you look at what uh, DeAndre Hopkins went for, and you look at what premier wide receivers go for, not even... Well, I guess OB, actually OBJ did go for a first. Um, 
But, you know, that's good. I mean, Stefan Diggs also going for a first. Um, you know, there, there are certainly worse deals to take. And, you know, if he didn't want to be here, I don't know. You, you could have sat there and played the card. I believe he had three more years left on his deal. You could have just said, yeah, man, you know, kick rocks. We got you under contract for three more years. But to have a disgruntled guy on the team, um, he's not in a contract year, although he might. Well, actually, now, you know. The world's flipped upside down, so it looked like he was going to get a restructured contract with the Bills, uh, but who knows. But, you know, just just a headache. I mean, if you don't want to be here, it's probably best if we don't have you here. But, uh, you know, really a common theme that I saw throughout the offseason for the Vikings was we got pretty weaker defensively. You know, it was kind of disappointing. <coughs> Excuse me, I had three chicken sandwiches before coming on air, and uh, I went for a run today, and my legs are shot, so I feel like absolute dog crap. Uh, but we power through for the listeners. Um, but just at, at every level of the defense, this team kind of, if not, if they didn't get worse, they just kind of, they're losing guys who know the system. So, like, cornerbacks are very important. We saw how much Trey Waynes went for. We saw how much... Uh, who's that? Bra- uh, not Bradbury. Is it? No, is it? It is Bradbury, the the corner who signed with the Giants. I mean, if you're just a if you're a guy who can just not get torched on every single play, you're gonna get fifteen million dollars as a corner. Um, so we lose uh, Trey Waynes, who's one of the top five busts for the Vikings uh, since 2010. You can go back and check out the video that we did on this. Um, but he but he's an average corner. But that stings because you, you wasted the 11th pick on Trey Waynes and you didn't even give him a second contract. Now, we didn't have the we didn't have the money. We didn't have the money, but whose fault is that? You didn't have the money, you know. Uh, but he went for three years, $42 million. That's a little bit rich. But, you know, you're losing an average corner. But, but here's the thing. When I say average, you guys got to remember, you can't – this is not Madden. You can't have pro bowlers at every position. So if you have an average player – that's a hell of a lot better than a bad player. So when I when I say you lost an average player, I'm not saying that necessarily in a demeaning way. I'm saying, no, 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 in a matter-of-fact way, he's an, he's an average corner. But listen, there's a lot of teams that would kill for an average corner. Obviously, the Bengals killed for it because they, they really ponied up the Brinks trunk for him. Um, so listen, I, I don't say that in a demeaning way, but you lost Trey Wayans. You released Xavier Rhodes, which is actually an addition by subtraction. The only thing I'll say with Xavier Rhodes is... Well, actually, I was going to say at least he knows the system, but honestly, you watch the last couple of years when there's just mental lapses in the secondary and, and Xavier Rhodes gets beat, and then he's looking over at, like, Trey Waynes or looking over at Anthony Harris being like, what, what, what just happened? Well, Anthony Harris is a Pro Bowl safety, so I'd venture to guess he didn't mess up on that play. So, actually, I can't even say anything positive about, about Xavier Rhodes. Uh, you do get hit with a little bit of a, um, a cap hit with him, I think, for the next couple of years, but it's absolutely worth it. Maybe you could have tried to play him at safety, but when this guy's on a snap count and his hamstrings are made out of paper, you know, we, we're kind of at the end of the road here. And listen, I don't want to be all negative on Xavier Rhodes either because it was a pretty good road when it was when it was going on. Roads were closed for about three years, and three years is an eternity you know, when you're at the top of the cornerback game. Um, so, you know, 
Corner's a tough position. The Vikings are about to find that out. Corner's a tough position. And then you also lose Mackenzie Alexander, who signs with the Bengals on a one-year, $4 million deal. So that's three, well, three quote-unquote starting corners that you lost. But that's probably your top three. So, and and then Mackenzie Alexander won't hurt particularly because Xavier Rhodes, all right, see you later. Trey Waynes, okay, that's a lot of money. But four, we didn't have $4 million to sign him? That tells me that he didn't want to play here. Because, so you could go to the Bengals, a completely different team that does not really have a good defense. They're not going to win anything. So you, you would rather take a one-year prove-it deal with a garbage team than to come back with the Vikings for a one-year prove-it deal. You know, that's a bit concerning. That's a bit concerning. And also... Why do, you, why do you draft players? Now, listen, I'm not, you know, I understand things happen, but why do you draft players if you're not going to resign them? You know what I mean? So, Mackenzie Alexander, he played, you know, he played a little bit his first and second year, and then, you know, he's obviously started to play more and more as, as he went on. So, like, we ramp Mackenzie Alexander up to be a starter, because believe me, if, if Alexander was on the team right now, he'd be a starter. He might be the number one corner. So we ramp him up to be a starter, and then he just goes to another team. So, like, we spend all this time. It's the same thing with another member of the secondary that we lost, J. Ron Curse. So J. Ron Curse, he's never been a liability. He's actually been really good when he plays. You know, he had that game-saving interception or, or uh, deflection with the Broncos this year. I really like J. Ron Curse. I think he's a starting safety in the NFL. I think he's a starting safety yeah, well, I hesitate to say with the Vikings because you got two pretty good ones with with Smith and Harris, but you you could play three safeties. You can get creative. You can figure out stuff. I'm not concerned about that, um, especially with the just rampant inexperience you're going to have with corners this year. Yeah, it would probably pay a lot to have J. Ron Carson. Maybe have a guy. Maybe have a. Maybe he's the, you know strong strong safety you know what I mean because he's a bigger guy so maybe we you know of the we have three safeties on the field and this is the guy who you know is pressed up against the box the closest or you know you know whatever Zimmer's a smart guy so you know give him the give him the players I'm not concerned about you know positions and and things like that to some degree that's a little arbitrary um but that and, and so the same thing with him he signs a two million dollar deal with the Lions so J. Ron Curse and maybe I don't mean it exactly when I say he hates Minnesota, but like he hates the Vikings so much, he would rather take a minimal, minimal prove it deal on a defense where he's not going to shine. Like J. Ron Curse could play at a Pro Bowl level. That Lions defense is so damn bad. They were like 30th in the league last year. Like you have like Jared Davis, who's a first round bust, and Jelani Tavai, and you no longer have Darius Slay. Uh, who the hell did they say? Did they sign? Uh, they signed that Falcons corner, but like, are you, that's a really bad defense. Like, even if he's lights out, okay, we're still scoring forty points on you. So he would rather take a prove it contract year deal with them than to stay with the Vikings, where he would shine because he was shining before. He was shining before. So you know, if Jaron Curse stays on the team, <coughs> excuse me, man, you just see it every single year. He just gets better and better and better. Now, I'm not trying to make him sound like, you know, he's the next coming of Brian Dawkins or something, but, you know, he's a very serviceable safety. 
And, I mean, listen, you know, Vikings fans should know. Like, man, we've had a very good defense for a long time, but we have not had the greatest safeties, you know, from time to time. You know what I mean? Like, you guys got to remember, we were going to war with, like, Jamarca Sanford and Robert Blanton and, you know, stuff like this. So, like, J-Ron Curse, that's a, a breath of, of fresh air. Um, so the, the secondary is looking torched at this point. Like, we're just losing everybody. Everybody's jumping jumping ship. And then you even look at uh, the defensive line. So we release, I believe release, Everson Griffin, which, okay, we got to save money. That's understandable. He was a likely cap casualty. And, yeah, he, he has declined. I mean, you know, this this is an Ev from 2016, 2017. You know what I mean? He's, he's going downhill a little bit, but he's still a very serviceable Borderline, borderline great. Borderline great. He's, he's a really good defensive end. He will be missed. But at this point, you go, okay, I see what the Vikings are doing. This makes sense. You release Everson Griffin. You save money. You already have Daniil Hunter. So who who's the bookend with, with uh, Daniil Hunter? Stephen Weatherly, the guy who we've been grooming, who was a seventh-round pick. He, was, he didn't really play his rookie year. Becomes a rotational guy. Uh, from year two and year three. And then year four last year, he actually starts to break out. Wow, this guy looks like a really young, promising, smart, intelligent defensive end. And then you lose him too. You let him walk in free agency. So I can handle us losing Everson Griffin. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry over that. I'm not I'm not gonna cry over spilt milk here. Uh but to let Weatherly go, it's like no 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 Weatherly I I was a big fan. You know when when Everson Griffin had that mental health thing god bless you know weatherly stepped in and he was very very serviceable you could really see that he's improving and he signs a two-year uh a little bit north of six million dollars aav uh with the panthers and you go well jesus uh, what are we doing here what are we doing who the hell is going to be our starting defensive end like i don't like uh what's that, that hawaiian guy what's his name Hercules Mata'afa, like, he's going to be our defensive end. So, and the thing with this, too, not that Weatherly knew, but how it, how, this is how it, sh- it shook out with the Panthers. I believe the Panthers had seven draft picks. All seven were on the defensive side of the ball. So, Weatherly's not a starter. He took a, you know, six million's a pretty penny. But they have Brian Burns, and then they drafted Yitor Gross Matos, so Weatherly's not the starter in Carolina, or if he is, it's just for year one. Or you know, so he's a rotational guy with the Panthers. So again, you just kind of go, well, we're gonna lose these guys who are just gonna be rotational guys or just get lost in the system elsewhere. We know these guys. We've brought them up. You know, the Vikings have not done very well drafting on day three since like 2010. Since like 2010, I went back and looked at it. They have, they've had like 70 day three draft picks. Man, really like four of them have ever turned out. And the ones that have turned out, we just let walk. Like two of the ones that turned out were Curse and Weatherly. And we just let them walk. So that's a bit frustrating. Uh, on the offensive side, uh, no, excuse me, there's a still a major one defensively. We released Linval Joseph. Uh, which again, I can handle. You know what I mean? Like he, he was making about 11 or 12 million dollars 
He's probably 30, he's probably going to be 32 years old. So again, I can handle that, but that's a big name to lose with not really a whole lot to replace him. And obviously the draft is coming up at this point, but we're not very active in free agency. You know what I mean? So at that point, it's looking a little dire. We also let Kendrell Brothers walk, which again, that's more sentimental for me because I'm a Mizzou guy and I I had season tickets when Kentrell Brothers was a senior and man, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. He should have gone in the second round. He's a tackling machine. I'm a really big fan of Kentrell Brothers. I don't really know why it didn't work out in the NFL, um, but he's, he's a very solid guy. Uh, so sucks to see him go. And then offensively, offensively, he didn't lose much. Obviously the Stefan Diggs trade. Laquan Treadwell, that's just more emotional that we wasted a first-round pick, but, you know, we didn't lose anything with with him, and, you know, you release Josh Klein and David Morgan. I mean, these these guys can all be replaced. That Those are not big deals to me. So then you, you look at what we did in free agency. Really not a whole lot. Now, we ex- the, 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 the A topic here is we extended Kirk Cousins' Two years, $66 million. Now, I don't really know why. I don't really know why there was the need to extend him. Again, $33 million sounds like a lot. It's really not. It's really not for starting quarterbacks. Starting quarterbacks start at $30 million, so I'm not, I'm not tripping about that. Um, I don't think Kirk is the answer. I think very clearly he's not the answer. Now, he's a good quarterback. I'm not one of these Kirk Cousin haters. But he's not good enough to get to get you to where you want to be, especially with how much the team has regressed. Uh, you also spend a lot of money on Michael P- Pierce. Three years, $27 million, $9 million a year. I mean, apparently he, he fell off a little bit. I did not watch a whole lot of Baltimore Ravens football. Apparently he fell off a little bit. I remember him being very good a couple of years ago. Um I can see what they're trying to do here. You're, you're replacing Linval with what you think is a younger version of what he brings. Six feet tall, 345 pounds. Just a run stopper. Uh, just a really big fat guy in the middle. I'm not hating on it, to be honest, because we we know what Linval was in his prime with the Vikings. And in his prime, man, I want to say 2017, he could have been defensive MVP if they gave a crap about defensive tackles, uh, which they don't. But, I mean, we, it's tough, man, because I'm not, I'm not like, uh, I'm not like one of these people who's like, oh, man, we got, we got Clay Matthews, we got the Claymaker, even though he's been awful for the last six years, and you're just holding on to that couple of good seasons he had in the early 2000s, or early 2010s. I, I understand, you know, we've asked Linval to do a lot, he's getting older, so maybe Michael Pierce, you know, is not, not quite the fan favorite that that Linval was, but maybe he's he's younger, and you certainly shaved a little off the top, you know what I mean? So you're saving, going down from Linval's 12 or 13 down to Michael Pierce's 9, you know, you're saving 3-4 million dollars, so, uh, you know, I can't be mad at it. You're saving money, and you're also getting somebody who's about five years younger. So you franchise tag Anthony Harris, I think that was necessary, because your corners are going to be real bad. You might have talent with your corners, you might have young talent, but I don't think the corners are going to be the corners are going to get torched. So at least, in my mind, Anthony Harris was the one guy we had to bring back uh, this offseason. 
because it, it, at least if we're going to have a subpar secondary, at least if our corners are going to be bad, we can have two Pro Bowl level safeties at least just to at least just to hold the, the the top of the defense, at least just to make sure we don't get absolutely burned on every single play. So Anthony Harris was was a must. I would have preferred to get a long term deal done, uh, but I understand cap, cap restraints. You know that that probably would have made it tough. I'm glad we didn't trade him. I don't think you could have gotten a lot for Anthony Harris, even though he is probably a top two safety in the league. I don't think you could have gotten a lot for him because it's on the franchise tag. It's not a contract extension. And, oh, man, he's probably about 28 years old. So, you know, I don't know. You probably could have got a fourth-round pick, but that's not worth it in my mind. You also break the bank on C.J. Ham In fullback terms, you break the bank. Four years, $12 million. I don't I don't know. C.J. Ham's a good player. I like him. He's a good story. Uh Played played it locally. Um, I don't know. Three three million seems a little steep. I could find a fullback off the street, you know, for for absolutely nothing. Um, so whatever. When you're extremely cap strapped, you don't normally sign your fullback to a four year extension. But whatever. Pro Bowl Pro Bowl fullback for whatever that means. Um, he also put a second round tender on Eric Wilson, which I I like because I mean he's definitely a starter. He's definitely a starter when you look at this team. Uh, he, he's definitely going to be a starting linebacker on this team. Um, still only 25. And then you make some you make some smaller moves on, on defense, too. Uh, you bring in Anthony Zettel. I mean, rotational guy. Uh, he, he is a big boy, though. I think he's like 6'7", 275. So he, he is an interesting guy because you could move him around uh, that defensive line. He's not necessarily pigeonholed in as a... Uh, defensive tackle or a defensive end or you know maybe because he's 270 maybe he's uh like a third down defensive tackle uh, again I haven't watched a whole lot of tape on uh Michael Pierce but given he's 350 pounds I'd imagine he's probably not an every single down type of guy so you know maybe Anthony Zettel is somebody you flex in on you know third and moderates and third and longs you know uh just to just to kind of get uh, a, a lighter a lighter formation out there a uh, couple of signings, a few signings here on the offensive line. Resigning Rashad Hill, Brett Jones, and Dakota Dozier. Those do absolutely nothing for me. Absolutely nothing for me. And it's embarrassing because w- one of those guys is going to be a starter. I, I just kind of have a feeling. You re-sign Sean Mannion. I don't know why. Uh, he's really bad. Even in the preseason, he's really bad don't know why guys like this stay on the team and guys like Taylor Heineke or um, uh, Kyle Sloter don't stay on the team. Makes no sense. Um, And then you also spend a fair amount of money on re-signing Dan Bailey and Britton Colquitt. You give Colquitt a three-year $9 million deal, excuse me, and Dan Bailey a three-year $10 million deal. I mean, uh, whatever, man. It... It's just weird giving big money to specialists, but I, I get it, man. Like, the Vikings have been absolutely cursed at the kicker position, and I'm not trying to make it seem like Dan Bailey's all that awesome, uh, but it looks like he kind of regained some of his form from back when he was with the Cowboys, and Colquitt's obviously a Pro Bowl punter, so, I mean, I'm fine with it, man, but this team is really... Ca- like, would I would I rather re-sign Britton Colquitt for three million dollars a year or would I rather have re-signed 
Uh, Mackenzie Alexander for four million. I mean, you decide. I probably would. I probably would have chose uh, Mackenzie Alexander because I think that's a, a, of of more importance to this team. But uh, with that being said, don't underestimate the importance of of uh, you know specialists because. I mean, Jesus Christ, if any market knows about the importance of specialists, it's definitely the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so this leads us here to the draft. Um, another very frustrating but ultimately worthwhile draft for the Vikings. Um, listen, it, it all turned out relatively fine, but the th- I was so pissed off on draft day because I... I absolutely hate Rick Spielman's drafting uh strategy I don't I don't hate his drafting he's a pretty good drafter but you know oh we're gonna trade down three spots and acquire a seventh round pick and then we're gonna trade down four spots and acquire another seventh round pick and it's like Jesus Christ can you just make a pick so I think Rick Spielman gets a little bit too cute in the draft uh I think we drafted 15 players and unfortunate because we have uh, a, a record amount of draft picks, uh, draftees, uh, during a year where we're not going to have mini camp and probably won't have full training camp. So that's super awesome. We picked the worst year possible to have a bunch of draft picks. Um, that being said, I, I'd, I'd still do it again. I mean, draft picks are still important. So even though it's the worst year to do it, you know, it's still a good year to invest in the draft. Every year is a good year to invest in the draft, because um, that's that's how that's how winning teams do. Um, again, I just think you got a little too cute. Do we need 15 draft picks? Like, would it be better if we had four seventh round picks, or would it be better if we just had two fifth round picks? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe at the end of the day, I'm making too much about these day three picks. Because chances are, you know, honestly, chances are half of the day three picks, I won't be that mean. Chances are a third of the day three picks won't be on the team. So it's like, all right, well, very cool. Just kind of wasted draft positions for for nothing. But uh, we did take Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney in the first round. And I'm not mad at it. I, mad at it. I think that's probably what they should have done. Um those are the two positions that that if you had told me, hey, we get a wide receiver and a corner, yeah, I mean, we certainly needed a corner, and and you know, with the trade of Diggs, we certainly needed a wide receiver. Uh, I wouldn't have been mad if we had taken a offensive lineman in the first round, but there was obviously a major run um, at that position, so uh, you know, I would have been a little mad if we reached, and luckily we didn't. So, um, you know, props to the Props to the Vikings there. I mean, I'm I'm 99% of the time just best player available, uh, but but sometimes you gotta you gotta just pick for uh, pick for what you need. Uh, but you know, and I have no problem with their their day two picks either. Uh, so you take Ezra Cleveland. I was not the biggest fan. I've heard some good things about him. I've heard some pretty bad things about him. Um, chiefly, he's not a good tackle. He just sucks at football. Uh, is what I've heard, which is not good when you're taking a player in the second round. But the thing is, what gives me hope is that he's essentially another Brian O'Neill, just a tall, lanky, athletic, white tackle um, that does not have to start this year. If he starts this year, that's awesome. 
Um, but we, we can handle Riley Reef's awful play for another year. We've been dealing with it for the last, like, three. So why would it why would it matter now? Um, but, you know, just a, a guy you can sit for a year and develop him. And, you know, he should... I mean, don't develop him too long. I'm not saying you let him sit on the bench for two years. But, you know, I think this year you let him sit and maybe he's a sixth offensive tackle. And then uh, come 2021, we move Brian O'Neill to his rightful position at left tackle. Uh, which, which honestly, we should just do anyway. We should just do that anyway. Um, and then put Ezra Cleveland, Cleveland at right tackle. Uh, I do like Cameron Dantzler. Now, the thing you got to realize about Cameron Dantzler, for all you rubes out there, he ran very, very, very slow at the combine. I believe he ran a, like a 4.65, which is real slow. Real slow. And then he allegedly ran like a 4-3-1 at his, you know, pro day. Guys, he didn't, he didn't, he's not either. He's not either. Just look at the tape. Look at the tape. He's not a burner. Listen, is he faster than 4-6-5? Yes. Did he run a 4-3-1? Absolutely not. You are smoking crack if you think Cameron Dantzler ran a 4-3-1 in that video. Hell no. He ran like a 4-4-5, four, four, which is fine. We're not at... He's a big corner, by the way. He's like 6'2", 190. So he's a big corner. He's not He's not a, a midget, you know. He's not a Josh Robinson. He's not 5'9". So we get a good, lanky corner with size. Uh, but he's not a burner. But that's fine. Don't ask him to be a burner. Don't ask him to be a burner. Uh, you, you have Mike Hughes. You have Jeff Gladney. You have two fast guys. That's fine. But for all these, I guess, boomers, because they don't understand how the internet works, and maybe they just believe everything they're told, um, or just idiots. I mean, in fairness, it's not just boomers, but maybe, you know, just kind of Vikings rubes who drink the purple way too way too much and listen to a... <laughs> oh, never mind. But, uh, you know, he did not run a 4-3-1. But it was somewhere in between. So there's a, you know, listen, you use your noggin, use your, use your brain. Um, and then it was kind of hit or miss. You know, the more I look into it, the more some of these picks are okay. I, I didn't know a lot of these, a lot of these picks. I probably, I knew about half of these guys beforehand. Um, but DJ Wanham, James Lynch, and Troy Dye in the fourth round. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about Troy Dye. I think he has some injury concerns, but he's got a good size for a linebacker. He's like 6'4", 220. Um, I believe he was a captain on the defense there at Oregon. A lot of people were high on James Lynch. Never heard of DJ Wanham. In the fifth round, you take uh, cornerback Harrison Hand and wide receiver KJ Osborne. Sixth round, you take uh, Blake Brandell, offensive tackle out of Oregon State, and Josh Metalis, a safety from Michigan. And then you take in the seventh round, Kenny Willickies, Nate Stanley, Brian Cole, and Kyle Hinton. Uh, Again, I, I don't... I don't, you know, wax poetic about stuff I don't know, but uh, I do know that uh, Kenny Willickies fell pretty far. This was a guy who a lot of people were high on, people who said he wasn't very athletic, and then he put out that video on Twitter of him, you know, doing backflips and shit. Um, so I think that's actually a very, very good pick, and that's something that we need. Again, and we've had some success in the later rounds with with defensive ends. I mean, we had success with Stefan uh, Weatherly. And then we let him go, you know, kind of defeating the purpose of... It really defeats the purpose of developing somebody if you just let him leave, 
and play in their prime for another team after you've developed them. Thank you, Vikings. Thank you. Panthers should send you a, a postcard for that one. Uh, but I like Willikies. Uh, KJ Osborne, I know he was one of the top transfers heading into last season. He spent three or four years, I believe it was a graduate transfer from uh, Buffalo. Did not really have a super productive year at Miami. I think it was something like 500 yards, maybe six touchdowns. Um, so I, I guess talented. Uh, maybe a guy we can use for kick returns, but you know, not a super productive player in college, at least with Miami. Obviously, he's productive enough with Buffalo. But in fairness, Miami's quarterback, uh, just carousel was awful. I mean, you know, these were people who thought that Tate Martell was going to be the guy. And then, oh, they had two other guys they played too. I'm blanking on their names, but they had two other quarterbacks they, they went to. Uh, and then they were so dissatisfied, dissatisfied with the other quarterback that shows. I want to say DeMarcus something or Marquise something. Uh, he, was, he was a four-star coming out of high school. And uh, they were so dissatisfied with him that they brought in Eric King uh, to be the quarterback for 2020. So, I mean, you got to cut K.J. Osborne some slack because, you know, that I don't think he realized how bad that that situation was going to be. But productive enough at Buffalo. Um, Again, I'm not sitting here acting like I've watched every single Temple football game, but Harrison Hand, I like it, man. I like it. He he he's gonna be 21 for most of the season. Uh, you know, five foot eleven. Uh, kind of got small hands, but whatever. Uh, kind of slow at the combine uh, or at his pro day, excuse me. Uh, four five two, but um, I I do like the strategy the Vikings employed because they really. I'm not gonna say. Dantzler and Hand were were BPAs when they were taken, but they realized okay. We lose Rhodes, again, not a big deal, just a guy who's been in the system for a while. And we lose Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander. Let's go out and draft three corners. Let's go out and draft three corners. So I like Gladney, Dantzler, and Hand. Because, I mean, listen, like, but these guys are going to play certainly Gladney and Dantzler. Because, I mean, you look, you look at the roster, like, you are putting a lot of faith into Mike Hughes, which I don't know if I would do. I'm not saying Mike Hughes is the guy. I'm not saying he's not the guy. I'm just saying last year he was not. So he might take that leap this year, or he might not. Talented guy. Hope you, oh, I certainly hope it works out. But we do not know that Mike Hughes is a good corner. We just don't. But I can tell you this much. Jeff Gladney's absolutely a starter from day one, whether or not he's ready or not. Now, I think he will be, because I think he's 23, and I think, uh, you know, some of the draft pundits have said he's, you know, one of the more ready corners out there. But whether or not he's ready, he's a starter. Same with Mike Hughes. Harrison Hand, I wouldn't be surprised if he got some time. I certainly think Cam Dantzler will get time, especially against probably your your opponent's bigger receivers, because, you know, he's 6'2". Um, and the wild card for me is Holton Hill. I'm a very big Holton Hill fan. He's still very young. He's 23. He's six foot two. He's going into his third year. I'm a really big fan. When he's been forced into action for the Vikings, Holton Hill has performed admirably. 
It's just, ah, you've been suspended, I believe, four games for PEDs. You were suspended last year for eight games because of PEDs or substance violations or whatever the hell you want to call it. Don't sue me. Um, But, like, if he gets caught one more time, which he was dumb enough to have have two violations already in his first two years, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a year. I'm pretty sure it's a year for Holton Hill if he got if he gets caught again doing whatever he's doing, because um, I'm pretty sure it goes you know two or four then to eight and once you've had the once you've had the eight games uh, it goes to a year, so he's kind of the wild card here because I think Holton Hill to be honest with you right now I think Holton Hill's probably your best cornerback. I don't think he'll be cornerback number one or number two, but I'm just telling you right now, I think he is the best cornerback on the Vikings as of June 18th, 2020. And I don't really think it's close. I mean, Gladney could be, be- could be better, in fairness, we've, but obviously through no, no fault of his own. You know, we've never seen Gladney in a game. We've seen Mike Hughes in a game. Eh, I, I don't know. I'm in, I'm in between. I've seen Holton Hill. I've seen him perform pretty good. Now, he, he's also, I don't think his contract is up this year, but I think it's up next year. So it brings up a very interesting dilemma here with Holton Hill because he has played well enough in, in spots to deserve a contract extension, but do you put money in a player who, if he touches a picogram of anything, this guy's out for a year? I don't know, man. I don't know. I just know that the, the, the secondary... Not, not the second. Actually, the safeties are fine. I just know the corners are going to be very, very young and inexperienced. It kind of scares me that Holton Hill is like the most experienced guy uh, at the cornerback position for us, and he's 23 and been suspended for nearly half of the games he's played. Uh, but that's just something we kind of got to deal with. Um, that's what happens when you neglect the salary cap, when you you know, sign Kirk Cousins, who doesn't deserve money when you uh, pay Adam Thielen a whole lot of money. Not that not that he shouldn't get a lot of money, but let's not forget, and whether or not this is the right thing to do or not, if I'm... Listen, it's, it, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to produce a winning team here. So Adam Thielen signed that extension like the year after he broke out, and then they... they uh, uh, re-upped him for a lot of money like a couple of years later he still had like two years left on his deal I don't re-up people when they're still on current deals like no 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 you agreed to that deal like we're gonna honor the deal because he was signed for like six million or something and then they upped it up to like 15 or something so it's like well teams get good because they sign players and they sign them to good manageable deals teams don't get good because they overpay people they already have on on very team-friendly contracts now did adam thielen deserve that that increase in pay yeah he sure did would i have given it to him absolutely not i'm trying to win a team i'm trying i'm trying to produce a winning team you signed the contract it was for far less than what you're worth now shouldn't have signed that contract tough tough bananas but, you know, just wasting, just blatantly wasting money. Uh, but whatever, the, you know, and this is this goes into my bigger picture, what I talked about at the beginning, how this is the downfall here for the Vikings. 
you you see this team on the up and up. You see this team on the rise through a lot of adversity, through many different quarterbacks. You've seen this team on the rise since 2013, really since Zimmer took over. You see them draft very well, and uh, you see this you see the team plateau. We will not see this team go back to the NFC Championship in it in its current form, because this team has already hit its peak. It's going to be going downhill for the next couple of years now. I'm not saying it's going towards a total collapse because I, I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe we just stay middling for a, a long time. But I'm just telling you, you know, this team was built to win from 2016 to 2018. And when it didn't ha- when that did not happen, eh, I mean, we're done. We're done here. Uh, I'm not saying I'm in favor of a total rebuild. I'm just not. I don't have a lot of faith that this team in its current iteration will do anything. Because and here's another thing you got to remember. So we draft great players. So like we draft and we're so we're gonna build this defense around Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks and Xavier Rhodes and oh Daniel Hunter. So like we're sitting here in 2015, all those players are are, in, are going into their primes, super awesome. They're all young. They're all in their low to, low to mid 20s. But guys, now we're here in 2020. So I don't want to be doom and gloom. So like I could point out positions on this team that are are shitty in it, right now in 2020. Cornerbacks, you know it. it whether or not we have talent on the team, talent doesn't mean you're going to win. Talent might mean that this is a good position group in two years once that talent actually, you know, actualizes. Um, but like you guys got to remember, when we're when we're looking at the future, we got to rem- we we, we got to think. Well, Anthony Barr's getting up there in age. Now, does he have a couple of more years in his prime? Yeah. But listen, these guys that we think are always going to be here that we're building around, eventually, if we fuck around and don't build around these guys, listen, one year passes, two year passes, three years pass, then it's 2015, then it's 2018, then it's 2020, and then we're sitting here in 2022 cutting, you know, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks because they're both 31 and going downhill, you know, sitting there going, well... I guess we didn't win with these guys. We, we we tried to build around them, and we messed around and didn't do anything. And you know now we have to rebuild the linebacker position. You know so you 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 know props to the Vikings at least for thinking ahead. You know and drafting. You know they they haven't really neglected drafting positions other than the most important position of all, quarterback and um, offensive line, with significant draft picks up until recently. But like eventually time time goes by. And, like, we're going to lose some of these guys. So, like, we already lost Xavier Rhodes. So, like, we had a... Xavier Rhodes, honestly, 2016, 2017, probably was the best cornerback in the league. What did that get us? Nothing. Got us nothing. We, we How did that help us? Well, we won some more games. We played better. But how much did Xavier Rhodes help us in our ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl? Ah, uh, not, not, you know, we didn't win one. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, eventually these guys go by. So, it's a rough sport. <laughs> you know, 
people in this league do not age gracefully for the most part. So you gotta you gotta realize that you know there are unforeseen issues that are gonna hit this team, and plenty of foreseen issues. You know, like sticking with a you know a quarterback that's not gonna get you to the to the to the last dance. You know, for the last few years and for a few more years at least into the future. But you just take an overall look at this team. They didn't get any better at the quarterback position. They didn't get any better at the running back position. Arguably, they could hold their ground at the wide receiver position if you think that Jefferson's going to have an immediate impact. Um, tight end's pretty much the same. Offensive line, I kind of liked Josh Klein. You know, I don't think Cleveland's going to be an impact, immediate impact guy for us. Defensive line, I think we got a little bit worse. Cornerback, a, a lot bit worse. Linebacker, I mean, you didn't really lose much. And, and safety, you're just holding, holding, holding ground. So, like, we, we didn't get any better at any position, I guess, is the, is the big thing I'm trying to, to say here. We, we stopped the shriveling up of the team a little bit in certain spots, but we, we didn't get any better. So you look at what this team did last year. I mean, we could get, we could, this is a playoff team. This team could get to the playoffs. They will lose their first game. They will not go to the second round of the playoffs like they did last year because they're, they're not, they're not as good. Now I understand there's a lot of parody and whatever. They could get lucky. You know, I'm, I'm not Nostradamus here. I'm not saying this is a, as an absolute fact, but this team got worse. This is a eight and eight, nine and seven team. This is a team. I mean, nine and nine and seven might get you to win the the division because you never know. There's some wacky stuff, and a lot of tough teams are in the division. Um, certainly, you're a probable wild card team at nine and seven, but like th- this is this is a team that just gets blown out in the playoffs. You didn't get any better. You got the 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 saving grace for this offseason was you got younger. So, although you didn't get better, maybe in a couple of years you're gonna stop the bleeding even more, and maybe you'll hit on some of these young. I mean, one would think you'd have to hit on somebody from this draft class, if not somebody, at least a, a, a handful of people. I mean, you took 15 people. You you had to have done something, but again. Just because you take 15 draft picks doesn't mean they're all going to turn out. You got to draft the right people. I mean, look at the Browns. What was that in 2015? I think they had 14 picks. Yeah, they all turned out not so great. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, some of the best people from that draft class for the Browns were like Rashard Higgins. And, uh, uh, oh man, I can't even think. I think that might have been the, um, Actually, no, that was 2016. So that, because I believe the first pick they had that year was Corey Coleman. So, I mean, just because you have a lot of picks does not mean anything's going to happen. Um, oh, boy, I'm trying to find that uh, that pick. Ah, whatever, it's not not important. But um, that that is my prediction. I do think this is still a team that will make the playoffs, but not going to do a whole lot. Um so we'll, we'll wrap up the show here. I had one more thing I wanted to talk about because uh, there was uh, some uh, announcements here for the UFC on Fight Island. Uh, they filled out the cards, so obviously we knew about uh, a lot of the fights already on these cards, but the cards are 
official. Um, so we still have the three title fights on the 251 card. So we still have Usman versus Burns, Volkanovski versus Holloway, and Jan versus Aldo. And then they decided to keep Andrade versus Namajunas 2 and Hibas versus uh, Van Zant on the main card. Uh, I think we all know. I think we all know why Paige Van Zant is on the main card. Uh, like like I said uh, a couple of shows ago, I'm very excited for Yuri Prochaska making his UFC debut versus Volkan Uzdemir. Uh, he is the Ryzen light heavyweight champion. Uh, his highlights are really good. He's got a, a crazy record too. He's like 26, three and one. Um, you can tell, you can tell that uh, the UFC's uh, has some big plans for him because he's making his debut versus the number seven uh, fighter in the light heavyweight division, Volkan Uzdemir, number eight. If you go by North Star Sports rankings, which of course we do. Uh, a couple of interesting fights there on the uh, the prelims as well. I wouldn't say stacked, but uh, our boy Alessio Zaleski dos Santos is taking on uh, Muslim, 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 M M Salikov. Uh, not good with pronunciations. Uh, Makwan Amirkani and uh, Danny Henry, and then uh, the very tough Leonardo Santos is taking on Roman. Bogatev, who I think is uh, 11-0. I think he's undefeated, so interesting matchup there. Leonard Santos. Leonardo Santos is a very tough, very tough fighter. Uh, another super underrated guy, and that's what happens when you look at the, the full roster for lightweights and welterweights. I mean, those are the deepest divisions in, in the sport. Um, not, not a whole lot on the prelims there. Uh, they also, I believe the next card after that... Ah, that is the uh, Calvin Cater and Dan Ige main event. I like that a lot. Two great boxers, two guys who are going to bring it. I'm very high on Ige. And I like it too because it's not, it's not, oh, this is the number one guy versus the number three guy. No, they feel confident enough that I think like Cater's like seven and Ige might be ten. So kind of lowly ranked for a main event, even for a fight night. Uh, but, but not by a lot. But you know that's going to deliver. Uh, Frankie Edgar, the former uh, UFC lightweight champion and uh, featherweight title challenger, making his bantamweight debut versus uh, Pedro Munoz. That's a very good fight. So we just had UFC 250, and you talk about the infusion of young talent, just the infusion of talent uh, in the bantamweight division, the resurgence of Cody Garbrandt. I mean, it's not all young talent. Look at look at the old man, old man strength, Frankie Edgar coming down. He's 38 years old, but you know he's coming in there. And if he beats Pedro Munoz, I mean, he's in the top seven in bantamweight. And we we listen. There's a lot of young killers at bantamweight who need to get their title shots. But we've seen. I mean, for God's sake, Jose Aldo's getting a title shot, you know, at UFC 251. So they love. Uh, so disrespectful. I, 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 I'm going to say it, but I, I, you know what I mean, because Frankie Edgar's a very good fighter. But they they like, actually, legends. They like legends. I was going to say celebrity fighters, but you know what I mean? They like big, old-time legends uh, in that bantamweight division. So we saw Cruz get a title shot, you know what I mean? So, like, was Cruz more deserving of a title shot than Aljamain Sterling, even before his victory over Sandhagen? Not really. Not really, but they they really pay it pay it forward. 
uh, in that bantamweight division these days. Uh, Carla Esparza and Mar- uh, Marina Rodriguez. Um, that's interesting. Two top ten uh, strawweights, and and obviously Rodriguez had that draw with Cynthia Calvillo, who's now you know a title uh, contender, up at 125. Um, probably my favorite fight that was announced on the prelims is uh, John Phillips, White Mike Tyson, John Phillips versus Dusko Todorovic. I believe this was initially scheduled for UFC London, the, the card that was supposed to be headlined by Leon Edwards and Tyrone Woodley. Good God. Thank God that fight didn't happen. Could you imagine what Leon Edwards would have done to Tyron Woodley? Holy smokes. Uh, even though John Phillips is 1-3 in three in the UFC, boy, he's got absolute cheeseburgers for hands. You know, he, he just swings hammers. So uh, that'll be interesting. I, I, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the white Mike Tyson, John Phillips. Uh, we also have the rematch, Davison Figueredo and uh, Joseph Benavidez. I don't really know why, I guess, because Flyweight's super weak. I believe this is Joseph Benavidez's 17th shot at the title. At least number four. Uh, Very solid co-main event there, Jack Hermanson and Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, That's going to be really interesting if that hits the ground. And uh, I would probably favor Gastelum in that fight uh, just off of his last couple of performances. Uh, A highly... Uh, ranked flyweight bout here between Alexandre Pantoja and Askar Askarov. I believe that's number three versus number six. Uh, we don't do rankings for flyweight at North Star Sports because it's a joke of a division, but perhaps after that fight card when, you know, the flyweights officially have a champion, uh, you know, maybe you might see you might see uh, the flyweight rankings debut in North Star Sports uh, come well, the fight's on July 18th. Uh, I'd say come July 20th. What is that, Monday morning? Yeah. I mean, you, you could see a, a new division here in North Star Sports. Uh, and then just, you know, some interesting names there on the prelims. Davi Hamosh taking on Armand Sarukian. That's, um, that's mean. That is mean. I'm a really big fan of Armand Sarukian. That's the 22-year-old kid. Uh... Not from Dagestan, but he's from one of those Stan countries. Uh, he, in his UFC debut on the Moscow card in 2019, he went to a split decision with um, Islam Makachev. So I'm a very big fan of him. That's mean to put him up against Davi Hamosh because I don't know if it's IBJ, JF, whatever the hell they call it, but he's a definitely a gold medalist or, or whatever you call him in in uh in bjj um so that's gonna be a tough matchup there and then the final uh fight card here on fight island finally uh robert whitaker and darren till maybe maybe for the next crack at the title you know once adesanya and costa uh get back at it i think if if rob beats darren till yeah, I mean, I don't see why he, Rob shouldn't get the rematch with Adesanya. And obviously, Till, even when he came up to middleweight and lost his first fight, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people still thought, you know, this, this is a guy who at some point is going to get a title shot at 185. 
They were talking about a title shot at 185 for Darren Till back in 2017 before he even took on Tyron Woodley. You know, because it's like, oh, he's too big to be at 170, so once he beats Woodley, because it's a foregone conclusion, how long is he going to be the champ at welterweight? Because, you know, he's going to have to move up to middleweight. Uh, we have the trilogy that nobody, no, and I mean nobody, asked for this trilogy. Shogun Hua and uh, Little Nog. Why? Shogun beat him handedly the first two times. This is worse than Bellator. This is just old people. This is Combate Americas level matchmaking here from the UFC. Why the hell Shogun Hua is taking on Little Nog? For, for the battle of the worst hairlines, maybe. <laughs> the winner of this fight will have the, the worst hairline in uh, mixed martial arts. Um, a very intriguing fight here. Alexander Gustafson making his heavyweight debut versus Fabricio Verdum. That is interesting. Uh, Verdum's going to get murdered. That is uh, Gustafson's going to kill him because uh, we've seen Verdum over the last couple of years... I mean, what? He just got beat by Alexio Linick. Uh, he had that loss to Volkov in the main event of UFC London a couple of years ago before he got suspended. Did he have another loss somewhere in between? I don't... I, I don't. He might have had another loss somewhere sprinkled in there. Uh, but Verdum is, is... I don't want to be mean and say a shell of his former self, but he's 42 years old, so he's getting up there. Getting up there in age at 42 uh, in MMA. And Gustafson is like 34, and I mean he's a big boy. I mean six five, making it down there, you know. And I I remember back listening to his appearance on uh, the Joe Rogan Experience uh, about you know, well if he ever went up to heavyweight, I mean this guy is probably six five two forty, you know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. That'll be really interesting to see how he uh, how his game. Uh, translates to heavyweight because I think it'll actually translate incredibly well. I think he's he's got good power. I think his his speed's gonna translate. Uh, I wouldn't say he has elite wrestling, you know, at at 205. But you know, there's a real shortage of good wrestlers at heavyweight. So I don't think if Ver, you know, I mean, listen, Verdum's always always dangerous on the ground. You can never count him out. But you know, I don't think Gustafson's gonna be out of place you know, drowning in the water if he goes to the ground. Uh, and then a couple of fights on the prelims. We have, I, I guess, Khabib's brother or cousin, Umar Nurmagomedov, fighting uh, Nathaniel Wood, who has a terrible nickname because it's the prospect. And, uh, you know, he's like 27 or 28 and been in the UFC for a hot minute. So, I mean, I don't know when you, uh, I don't know if his nickname's ever going to change from the prospect to the contender, but... Uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll find out. A couple uh, interesting heavyweight matchup here: Rafael Pessoa versus Justin Taffa. Uh, I like I like Taffa because he likes to swing wild. And then everybody, and you're lying if you say this isn't your favorite bantamweight. Everybody's favorite bantamweight: Betchkohea taking on Pani Kianzed. Um, have nothing nothing to say about that one other other than that's going to be a fun wa- fun fight to watch if you know what I mean. Um, and and I know you do. Uh, so with that, we're going to wrap up the uh, extended show here. So uh, once again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at NorthStarMIN. As always, check out our amazing website at NorthStarSports.media. Follow us on, on Facebook, 
Listen to us on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on YouTube, on Podbean, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcast, on uh, uh, PodMN, on on a soup. Tie. You know what? I might give out my address, and if you want to tie a, a piece of floss to a uh, you know an empty Folgers can and just tune in that way, that's fine too. I don't really care. As long as you tune in and, uh, you know, it's a little premature, but happy second birthday to North Star Sports. I love you all. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.